Man, go ahead and grab a Bible if you don't have one. They're on the back table. Those stacks of blue books back there. That might be something you need as we walk through what we're going to walk through tonight. Um, somebody tell us, tell me what book we've been in. James. Does anybody know how many weeks we've been in this book now? Oh, a lot. What's that? Five. That's right. We've been in this book. It's taken us five weeks to get through the first chapter of James. Now, we're going to pick up the pace a little bit as we move forward. Tonight, we're going to be in James chapter 2, and we're actually going to do verses 1 through 13. But before we go any farther, um, I just want to recognize our our girls' tennis team with their win that they had this afternoon. Congratulations. Y'all give it up for the ladies that play girls' tennis. And how did the the golf team do today? Y'all won? So y'all give it up for the girls' golf team for winning today, too. All right, congratulations ladies, y'all did a good job. So, what's that? I didn't think the guys golf team played today. They didn't play today, they play tomorrow. So y'all give it up to encourage the guys golf team tomorrow. There we go. (laughs) Cody's like, y'all shut up, I don't want to hear that. All right, hey, so James chapter 2. He does not waste any time. He starts off in verse 1 and he jumps right into what he's going to talk about tonight. So we're going to do the same thing. And and what James does is he's talking about partiality. He's talking about basically playing favorites. And and I, I, I believe, I mean this is just my thinking, my reasoning, James addresses this because this is a problem for everybody. Every single one of us in this room, we have a tendency to show favor to some individual's over other individuals. And James talks about that, what that means in our lives tonight as we look at what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. But we always want to make sure we understand exactly where the author of the book is coming from. So, I've already said it, but who wrote the book of James? James, the brother of Jesus. You're stealing my questions, Brooke. James, the brother of Jesus. Absolutely right. When do we believe it was written? 40 to 45 AD. Where? You ready? Yeah, see, there's not a where question. Y'all didn't have an answer for that one. Okay? Why do we believe it was written? Okay, to encourage disciples. Um, you just said in house homes. You were this close! A premature dab, but that's okay. You're doing good. No, but that's right. We, we always want to know who wrote the book we're reading. When did they write it? So we know kind of what was happening in history at that time. Why did they write it? And who they were writing it to? So those things are important. And so I'm going to ask you guys to do... Cooper, I'm going to move these so I don't step on them and crush them. I don't want you to be upset with me. I'm going to ask you guys to do what I ask you to do every single week as we read God's Word. Let's stand in the honor of reading God's Word. And Mr. Maverick Garner is going to read our passage for us tonight. Y'all give it up for Mr. Maverick. All right, go ahead and take it away, Maverick. Hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, You sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, You stand over there, or sit down at my feet, you have not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts. Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man, are not the rich, the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court. Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name of 
by which you are called. If you rely, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do commit murder, you have become a transgressor, transgressor of the law. So speak and, and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For, the, for judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for bringing us here tonight and help us to understand and apply to our lives what Pastor Jesse teaches us tonight. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, Maverick. You guys can have a seat. Man, it, Maverick, you, you got like, like the longest passage we've done in here in months. So thank you for doing that. That was awesome, man. So let's go back to James chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Look at this very first verse. He says, my brothers. Now, J James starts off right there and immediately before he gets into what he wants to talk about with him, he uses that phrase, my brothers. He's, what he's doing here is he's trying to remind them that he's one of them. Like, have, have, you ever got, have you guys ever had that teacher who wants you to think they're as cool as they think they are? And they just, they, they, their, their dress, their words, they just try to connect. Some of y'all are probably thinking, that's you. Yeah, that may be me too. But, but we've all had those teachers where they, they want to try to make a connection with you. Before they talk to you, before they try to teach you or get on to you or instruct you or encourage you, they want to try to make a connection with you. And that's exactly what James is doing here. He's reminding the people he's writing to, he's saying, I'm a believer just like you. I'm a disciple of Jesus just like you are. And he's trying to help them remember that they have a connection, that they're on the same path. They're, they're trying to do the same things. And he's doing that because he's getting ready to lay out a pretty stern truth with them, a pretty stern reality. And that's how he finishes that verse. He says, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. He says, Hey guys, I love you. I'm one of you. I'm right there with you. But you need to stop playing favorites. That's exactly what he says. I'm here. You and me, we're connected, but i got to lay some hard truth in front of you, and you've got to stop playing favorites. And, and as he does this, one of the reasons he's writing this is obviously there was a problem here in these, these house churches, or at least one of them, where James is writing this letter to. Otherwise, he wouldn't be addressing this issue. And, and the, reason, the reason I think, and again, this is my reasoning, this isn't spelled out explicitly in Scripture, but as you look at this, and you look at who we are as people, there's a pretty good chance that there were more than one or two people in these house churches that were guilty of this. Because we're all guilty of this at some point, aren't we? Showing favoritism, playing favorites. And I'm not talking about like, I like to wear this pair of shoes more than I like to wear this pair of shoes. We're talking about how you deal with people. The way that you talk to people, the way that you, you interact with people. Every person in this room, every person in this room, even probably all the way back to where you were a little two, three-year-old walking around a classroom, every single one of us has had times in our lives where we have chosen the people that we're going to be around, who we're going to talk to, where we're going to sit, what we're going to do, based on looks. At least initially. We look at somebody, we look, James is going to go on to describe how somebody's dressed, but, but we base it on how somebody looks or doesn't look. 
And the truth is, we're, we're often drawn to people who look and act and think like we do. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because that's, that's how you tend to find friends. That's how you tend to have those groups that you hang around. But in doing so, when we let that happen as a regular thing, whether we're intentional about it or not, that also means that we're ignoring other people. That by choosing some people, we are choosing not to be around other people. Not to speak to them, not to hang out with them, not to do anything with them at all. And James is saying right here in this simple verse, he's saying, make sure that that's not how your life is defined. Make sure you're not playing favorites. Make sure you're not showing partiality. And he's talking about that because as a disciple of Jesus, I mean, look at what he says there. He says, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. He's saying, if you claim to be a disciple, then that favoritism, that partiality, if you're claiming discipleship and following Jesus, that really can't be a part of who you are. It can't be a part of your life. It can't be part of how you treat people, how you talk to people. And that's important for us because as we look at this, we need to understand that if we say we're a disciple and we put our faith and trust in Jesus, then when we choose to ignore people based on where they're from or how they look or whatever the reason may be, when we do that, we are denying the very basic fact that just like you and I, they are also created in the image of God. They, they are image bearers of the Creator of the universe. And when we say, you're not worth my time, we're saying, God, part of your creation doesn't matter. And that's not what Scripture's called us to. As disciples, that's not how we're called to live our lives. It ignores the inherent value of each and every human life. James takes us from this big, broad statement of, hey, as a disciple of Jesus, this needs to not be in your life. And then he gets very specific, which is one of the things I love about this book. He doesn't leave you hanging with this big idea. He says, okay, here's the big idea. Now, here's what you need to look at. Look at what he says in verse 2. He says, For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? So he's taken this big, broad, generic command and he's brought it down to this specific example because James has got some pretty good insight into what our human nature looks like. He talks about how we make judgments about some people solely based on their appearance. He's talking about whether or not somebody looks like they have money or whether or not somebody looks like they're broke. There's a whole lot of other ways we make those same distinctions, not just based on clothes. We make it based on how they talk. We make it based on what their hair looks like. Some people make it based on crazy things like astrological signs, which by the way, we're going to talk about that on Sunday nights in a couple weeks and the, the myth or lie that that tells us in, in the world. But people base decisions and favoritism on so many different things. So we need to make sure understand exactly what is James talking about here. Number one, there's some cultural things going on. One of the cultural things that's happening is the fact that in this culture, at this time when it was written, hospitality was huge. Do you all know what hospitality is? What, what is hospitality for somebody that knows? Okay, a whole bunch of you just went, yeah. what is it? Being welcoming. Yeah, it's, it's, it's taking care of your guests. 
I mean, if, if you've gone and you've stayed in a hotel, you go to the hotel, they check you in, they give you the room key, you walk in, and the, and the bed's ready to go, and maybe there's a little mint on the pillow, and you can call down to the front desk, and they'll give you something you forgot. That's hospitality. They're taking care of you. Well, in this culture, when somebody came into your home or somebody came into a, a gathering, you as the host, it was your job to make sure every single person felt welcome. And, and they would take care of their needs. Scripture tells us, and we see time and time again, you would actually, people would wash your feet if you were the host having people in your home because back then, they walked everywhere. It was dusty. Their feet was, were dirty. So they would do things like that to show hospitality. So when you receive a guest, you didn't tell them just come in and have a seat anywhere. I mean, I know we do that sometimes, but in this culture, that wasn't the case. You took care of them. You offered them food. You offered them something to drink you treated them as honored guests. So to take his example and to bring somebody in and say, hey, you, sit in the back. Or hey, you, come sit right here at my feet. Think about it right now. How many of you have dogs? When you tell your dog to sit, where do they usually do that? Right at your feet, if not on your feet is basically telling somebody in this culture, hey, you have the status of the dog in my house. I want you to come sit at my feet. That was huge. That was the same as looking somebody square in the eye and saying, you don't matter. James is telling us that his disciples, he's telling these disciples that as, as they look at people, as they come into their, their, their church, their homes, wherever it was that they were meeting at the time, we have to understand that that people need to know that they matter. That whether they're dressed nicely, look nice, or whether they dress like they just walked in off the street and don't have a home, they need to know that they matter. And James is helping us understand that here. And, and we also need to understand why we tend to treat people that way at times. Sometimes we treat people that way because we think there's going to be a benefit in it for us. We see somebody that looks like they're wealthy or somebody that looks like they're important and we tend to, to, to gravitate towards them because we think in the back of our minds, if we can just have a little bit of what they have rub off on us, then that'll help us too. And we start to feel special if we're hanging around the right people. I can tell you guys, the, the summer that Miss Kathleen and I moved here with our family was 2016. We got an invitation a couple months before we moved here to go have dinner at the governor's mansion in Florida. That was a pretty cool deal. And I'm, 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 I can't get the words out. But I remember going home and telling Miss Kathleen about this. And, and I, I, this was huge. I mean, you don't just get invited to the governor's mansion to have dinner. So we get there. I mean, we're all dressed up. She's got this, was it your red dress? Oh, red, yes, beautiful red dress that she wore. And, and I, I had on this suit. And, and we get there and we meet the governor's wife, which, by the way, the governor never showed up. It was kind of bait and switch. But anyway, we got to be there with the governor's wife. And we got to meet all kinds of people that had been invited to this dinner. And, and they put you down at a table. And we didn't even get to sit together. They're mixing everybody up, making everybody talk. But they've got this, I mean, just this beautiful mansion that they live in. And everything they did, it was like a four-course meal. I mean, it was, it was incredible. And the reason I had been invited is because I was a pastor in Florida and they wanted me to pray. And they, they were highlighting they had, they had a pastor, they had business people, they had educators, they had people from all walks of life. And it, it, it really made you feel special to be a part of this night. 
and we went through the night and, and I got to pray and we did all of this and, and we came home and we even, I've even got a signed picture from the governor's wife thanking us for being there and, and what we do. But come to find out, they did this every couple months. So as special as, as we thought that was, and it was a special thing, just a couple months later, they did it again. And just a couple months later, they did it again. And this is something they did over and over. And while we're sitting there thinking, yeah, we're really cool, this is really special, we're one of hundreds of people that have done this. What's your question, Daniel? I didn't know you at this time, and you didn't live in Florida, so there's a couple reasons there. Maybe, maybe we can hook you up, but probably not. Okay, I'll see what I can do. All right? But that's, that tends to be our mindset. We think that if we hang around the right people, the important people, the people who have the things that maybe we secretly want, that that's going to rub off on us a little bit. And when we do that, when we pursue those things, we start to ignore the people that don't fall into those categories. We start to even maybe look down on the people that don't fall into those categories. And James is saying, that's not the way we're supposed to live our lives as disciples of Jesus. He tells us that when we start acting that way, he tells us right there that we become judges. In fact, he uses another word. He says, what does he say? Of judges? Let me get back to it. He says, judges with evil thoughts. That's not a good place for us to be. I mean, think about that. You ever go to court and you ever stand before a judge, you want a judge that's going to be fair, right? You want one that's going to look at you and they're going to base their decision on the facts not on who you are, not on the way that you look or don't look. You want somebody who's going to be objective. And what he's saying right here is if we put ourselves in place of judging people based on how they look, how they appear, the way they interact with each other, then we become judges, but we become judges with evil thoughts. Thoughts that don't honor God. Thoughts that don't reflect the life of a disciple. And he reminds us that that's not the heart that God has because Scripture tells us that God sees people way differently than we see people. God looks beyond the thoughts. God looks beyond the words. God looks to the heart to see who people really are. And he reminds us of that as he begins talking again in chapter 2, verse 5. He says, catch the words here, listen, my beloved brothers. You heard those words before? Yeah. He's only five verses in. He's repeated himself again. Again, he's making that connection. He's saying, hey, I've just said something harsh to you, but remember, I love you. I'm one of you. And if I'm one of you, that applies to James too, the same way it applies to us. He says, listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? He's saying, hey, you're, you're choosing to look at the wrong things and when you judge on the appearance of a person, you need to understand what you're looking at is not what God's looking at. God's looking past that outward appearance. In fact, he even points out the irony of the scenario here. He's saying, people, you're choosing the ones who look rich. You're choosing the ones who look wealthy and the ones who look important. Yet in this culture, at this time, it was the wealthy people who were actually kind of the bad guys here. Because what they did, it was common during that time for, for landowners and merchants and those who had wealth at times to take from the people who didn't have as much as them. 
And they would actually use the court system to do it. So they would take someone who owed them money or someone who had less than them, something that they had that they wanted, they would take them to court and use that official court system to take more things from people who already didn't have very much. And, and James is pointing out the irony of the situation here. He's saying, you're telling these people and you are wanting to be around these people that you think are so important and yet these are the same people that given the right chance will take everything that you have just so they can be a little bit more important. James is saying, you've got to look at what you're doing here. You're pandering to the same people that will take everything from you. And let's be honest, that hasn't really changed for us in society today. We tend to, to gravitate towards the people that we think are going to benefit for, or benefit us, the people we think are important, the people that are going to rub off on us. And at the end of the day, nine times out of ten, those people don't really care about us. Those people care about their popularity and they care about their fame and their own importance. And when we get in the way, we're just something else to be brushed aside. That's why James is talking about this here. And then he says in verse 8, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, in other words, if you really believe God's Word and are going to live it out, if you believe it according to the Scripture, it says you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. He said, okay, if you believe God's Word and you do it, you live it out, specifically this command, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing a great job. That's awesome. Gold star for you. But then he goes on to say in verse 9, but if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who has said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So James starts off by referencing, does anybody recognize the verse he references right there? Does anybody know where we've seen that here recently? Let me read it for you again. You shall love the Lord, love your neighbor as yourself. Yes, D now. Thank you. I was hoping somebody would remember that. Yeah, it was from D now. That was our theme. It was, it's not about me. It was Mark 12, 30 and 31. It says this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Verse 31, the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. James is saying, if you as a disciple of Jesus are living out Jesus' words, if you're doing them, that's awesome. You're doing a great job. But if you're still doing this over here as well, then all of this is worthless. If, if you're still showing partiality, even though you're doing all of the other right things, you're still breaking God's law. That's what he's talking about right here. Because too many times people are willing to let a lapse in character go. I mean, we, we've all seen it. We've seen people who say they are one thing and one little slip, and, and we want people, when that happens in our lives, we want them to show us a little grace, right? Hey, I messed up this one time. Forgive me. Let's move forward. But when we look at this right here, when, when we see God, what God does is God gives us grace and so do other people. But James is talking about not just a little mess up. James is talking about an intentional, habitual, willful ignoring of how believers are called to live. Of how we're supposed to treat other people. You know, Paul talks about in Scripture, hey, I was ignorant of the law 
I was ignorant of sin until somebody told me that what I was doing went against who God was. And now that I know, I'm responsible for all of it. It's the same way here. If we say we're forgiven, if we say we're disciples of Jesus, and yet we continue to live in a way that dishonors Jesus, we're responsible for that. We're responsible for that knowledge and we're responsible for that action. And he's saying here specifically, we need to be careful on how we treat people. We need to make sure we're not playing favorites. And it's not just based on how people look. And you guys know that. I know that. Because we've all experienced it. It can be choosing to ignore their existence simply because they're not in your friend circle. Now, I watch everybody walk in here every single week. Because I'm always curious who's going to talk to who. Who's going to go sit down in their seat immediately because they don't want anybody to steal their seat because they sit in the same place every single week. I, I watch all of that. But here's what I also see. I see pockets of people in this room that have no idea who the other pockets of people in this room are. Because you're so focused on getting to your friends and to your seat, and that's not a bad thing, but you do it to the exclusion of other people. Other people that we say are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I'm not trying to call you guys out because I'm guilty of it. It happens on Sundays. It happens on Wednesdays. It happens in that room every time we have a worship service across the street. It tends to be our natural human nature. But when we do that, we choose to ignore other people. High schoolers, let me call you out for a second. It can be refusing to interact with middle schoolers. Which is ironic to me because every one of you that is now in high school that was once in middle school that I've had at least two, three conversations with in middle school, I remember you used to say, I can't wait to be in high school. I can't wait till I get in ninth grade. And as soon as you get into high school, it's like, oh, stupid middle schoolers. I don't want to be around them. And, and you don't hang around them anymore. Let me, let me let you in on a secret. High schoolers and middle schoolers, you can deny this all day, but I've been doing this long enough. I know it's true. High schoolers, middle schoolers look up to you. Most days, if you will just stop and have a conversation, you may be the highlight of their day. God gives us the opportunity to be around people that are like us, but just as important, He gives us the opportunity to be around people who are not like us. And we can have the opportunity to show God's love and grace and mercy to everyone, because that's what we're called to do. He goes on here in these last two verses, he says this, So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. If you sit here tonight and you claim to be a disciple of Jesus, and I know a lot of us do. I'm including myself in this. But if we do that and, and we live in such a way that we treat people not with the love that God has called us to treat them with, but with hatred. And let me clarify that. You may say, well, I've never said anything ugly to them. You may be right. But you may have never said anything at all to them. It's the same thing. If we claim to be disciples and choose to treat people with that hatred instead of the love that we see and we experience and we know is true in our lives, 
then we're not doing what God has called us to do. We're not living the life that He's called us to live. Maybe you're not treating people badly, but maybe you're not treating them at all because you're not even acknowledging that they're here. James is saying, church people, believers, look at me. Church people. People that say, I follow Christ. This is not how we're supposed to act. We're supposed to treat everybody with love. And he's talking about mercy. And he's talking about judgment here. He's saying if you're a believer, if you're a disciple, you have received the mercy that God offers. God has taken the judgment that you deserve, that I deserve as a sinner, and His mercy has triumphed over that. So that Jesus took that judgment in our place when we put our faith and trust in Him. And if we've experienced that mercy and that love, we have a responsibility. We have an obligation to show that to everybody we come in contact with. In church and out of church. We have the opportunity so that other people can see who Jesus is in our lives. So my question for you as we come to a close tonight is this. How are you treating other people in your life? Are you treating everybody the same? And by that I don't mean you just hate everybody because there are people like that. Or are you showing love to people? No matter who they are. No matter what they look like, according to James. Are you judging them? Are you ignoring them? Are you, are you treating them like they're not worth your time? Or are you showing them the mercy that God has extended into your life? The love that God has shown you when you didn't deserve it. You have the opportunity to show people what it looks like to experience love because you have experienced through Jesus Christ. My challenge for you tonight as you get ready to leave this room, and really before you leave this room, take a moment and consider how are you treating people in your life? Let's pray. God, we thank you Thank you that we can come together. We thank you that we can study your word, God. I thank you. I thank you for this group. And God, sometimes we look at your word and it's, it's hard truths that we have to look at because it brings to light who we are and the way that we treat people and the way that we act. And God, my prayer is that as we look at passages like this for myself, for everybody else in this room. It's not something that's condemning, but it's something that points us towards you. It's something that illustrates how we can live a life that honors you and calls us to action. And you know, that passage talks about God's mercy and God's love. If you're in here tonight and you don't know what that looks like in your life, you don't feel like you can show it to people because you don't have it. You need to know that God does love you. That God sent His Son to die on a cross for your sins so that you could know His mercy and His love. And if you've never, never felt that, never experienced that, but you're ready to tonight, it's not that hard. It's telling God that you're a sinner. That you know you can't fix yourself. You ask His forgiveness. And you put your faith and your trust in Him. 
follow him with your life. Scripture tells us in that moment you belong to God and nothing can take you away from him. You have his love, you have his mercy, you have his grace more abundantly than anything we could ever imagine. Then you can turn around and show that to other people, no matter who they are, no matter what they look like. If you're here tonight and you've never done that and you're ready to, when the music starts, come talk to me. Come talk to one of the other adults in the room because we would love to help you make that decision. Or if you've just got questions. If you're here tonight and you just need somebody to pray for you about the way you're treating people in your life, write it on that yellow card. You can put your name. You don't have to. And drop it in this basket at the front and you will be prayed for because there is power in prayer. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for the book of James. Help us to love people the way that you love people. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing.